No. Jaden. Yeah, so you can't see uh, that the producer so, in the background is just like <laughs> hot twist. So I want to actually talk about the story um, that I have, and I think it's it's one of my most interesting clinical stories that I have from my years of medical school. Do tell. And um, it's just like a mess, and this. It, like, it's just, it's, it's, I feel like it's kind of a, a crazy story. Mm. And um, so I was in my fifth year of medical school. At the time, I was working at Hamilton. Okay. Right. And uh, I was on my uh, placement there on the crisis team, mm. uh, mental health crisis team and psychiatry. And now, if you're not familiar with what the mental health crisis team is, they're like urgent response units. So if you're in the community, if you've got a problem, you can call the urgent response team and the mental health nurses there will triage that call and just give you advice on what to do. If they feel like it's an emergency, they might say, okay, call the police to ensure safety. But we are the psychiatric team that will go and assess the mental health of this patient that you think, or person in the community, um, that you think might be having a mental health emergency, mm. right? So um, this could be anything from someone who's, who's um, there's a real risk that's being evaluated for whether they're going to take their own life. Mm. Or it could be about someone who is having a, you know, a psychotic episode or something and mm. is becoming violent or they're in the police cell and we need to go and, and evaluate them. Mm. So I was working in the uh, urgent response team as a student at the time, 50 year student. And the consultant that I was working with, he had these really, really high expectations. And the reason that he had these really high expectations is because he was, um, he was an international consultant. He was, he was trained overseas and he's, had, had started oh. working here. So he, he had just he started working here. This was his first job in the country. I think he was, a, I think he was an Indian guy, um, he, but went to university in America mm-hmm. and was trained in, in America somewhere, I can't remember, <coughs> in the US. And then he, this was his first job mm. working um, in New Zealand. And I was his first student. Oh, man. So I was teaching him how to be a supervisor, uh-huh. you know, in this New Zealand system. Yeah. And all of that sort of stuff as well. And I remember, so it's a five-week uh, or six-week attachment. Mm. Six-week attachment. And you have this big module to do. And it's quite a heavy module. You know, in medical school, you have to do, you know, all these specialty-related learnings. And the psychiatry module is quite dense. There's a lot of information to know. Five days in, I go to him and I say, okay, well, like, can I get some preliminary feedback on how I'm doing with all of these mm. things? And he's like, oh, you, you're like, I have like major concerns on all of these aspects. And it, by the way, major concerns means you fail that run. And I was like, <laughs> okay, uh, like, <laughs> oh God, why? Uh, please, you know, and he was like, oh, well, uh, you know, you, you don't know like anything. Like you don't, you don't know these things. And it's like, you can't expect me to know everything in my first five days of the, you know, I'm studying the stuff. Like I'm actually churning through it. Mm. And I was actually ahead of schedule really right. in my studying. Right. And he was like, no, 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 I've got like major issues. And I was like, holy shit, I need to actually study a lot more to right. actually pass this run. Right. And um, and it was the same kind of standard that he held me to in clinical practice as well. Like when we were in consultations, he would, you know, have me do the whole consultation. Wow. You know, so I would be the main person leading it. Mm-hmm. I would think of the management plan, everything else, and then he would he would look through it and approve it, and oh. say whether he thought it was right or wrong or whatever it was. And um, as a re- and uh, you know, working with the registrars as well that are within that team. So it's mm-hmm. not just him that I'm working mm-hmm. with. 
So I'm getting a lot of experience from multiple different people and I'm learning very fast and I'm going home and I'm spending the whole day studying. I'm just studying, studying, studying. Right. But the end of the next week, I'd finished the whole six weeks worth of content and I just mm. bleeding my eyes out studying. Right. And so I ended up learning it very well. Mm. I can definitely say that there was, even to this day, from that experience, my level of psych, psych, psychiatric knowledge and acumen is higher than any other aspect of medicine probably for me. Um, just because like I went through this crazy experience with, you know, having to learn it intensely. Um, You know, he would say, you know, he was going to fail me because I didn't know the exact dose and half-life of these new and novel psychiatric medications that some consultants didn't even know. And I was like, that's crazy. Like, um, you know, we do the group tutorials Mm. and the, the person that's running the tutorial will be like, oh, does anyone know like about this medication? And I'd be like, yes, like, yeah. This is the yeah. half-life. This is the like bioavailability. Right. Like it is part of this particular neural pathway in the brain and the way right. it affects is this hormone or whatever. Right. Like I would know everything about all of this stuff. And so um, because I like was quite, no- I ended up being really knowledgeable about it because I was getting so much clinical exposure. Like all my peers, they were seeing like a patient a day or something. I was seeing mm. like 10 patients a day. Mm. and doing all the reports and all the management, writing mm. all the notes and talk like coordinating it. In mm. my second or third week, I was the one that was running the handover at the, at the beginning with all the nursing wow. stuff. It was yeah. like, okay, let's go through the patients. I'll be talking about all the patients. So I was pretty much running that sort of thing. And he was doctor. supervising. Yeah. And the re- like even the registrar would just be like following what I was saying, which is like a weird dynamic actually right. to think about. Um, and the nursing staff all ended up really trusting me as a, result of it. Mm. And obviously everything was signed off by my seniors. So everything was meant to be safe. So um, we did that for a while. And, but then his own like clinical skills, my consultant's clinical skills were like a little bit weird. Honestly, he was a weird dude. Okay. Like really he was a weird dude. (laughs) Uh, And the nurses were not really happy when he would just do consults by himself. So he, they would only like, they would delay consults sometimes so that I would be available to do it with uh-huh. him instead uh-huh. of just doing it by himself mm. or they'd get a registrar to how, how do is it he weird? Well. his eq was low ah. his eq was low he he just didn't he couldn't really quite and his communication technique is was quite awkward in the psych department as well you'd expect you'd yeah, yeah, want yeah. that to be important what well, is yeah. right yeah and, and and a lot of good psychiatrists have very good communication right. and can yeah. make you feel really at ease but mm. his it was a little bit like um it was almost like cartoonish, you know? Like how, how, you know, if you have like cartoons, you have certain aspects of a personality that are like really amplified and some things that are like not there at all. Like mm. you have a personality that's like quite skewed. Like there's <coughs> certain things that, you know, are really yep. priv- present. But yep. so he had that real weird kind of character to him. Mm. And as, as like, I remember some patients actually saying to me when he leaves the room, he's just like, yeah, this dude is weird. Like, <laughs> Yeah, oh, like man. I can't connect to this guy, but they were, you know, fortunately for them, yeah. you know, for these clients that were in the room with us, like fortunately for them, they were able to connect with me in that situation or the, with the registrar or someone else that was there or with the nurse. Mm. Um, but the nurses were starting to pick up on that. And so they weren't happy if he was just doing it. By himself. Well, yeah, oh. there's always a nurse present right. um, as a chaperone, but like if, it, if he was the main kind of medical yeah. side that was doing it. So um, that was kind of how it developed. And I worked my butt off to meet these oh, super high standards. Good, th- good thing is the standards that increase. They were like really high and they just stayed there. So I was mm. just able to progressively meet them. Yeah. And I ended up getting a distinction. Right. 
for the run. I hope so. What, yeah. based on his standards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he yeah, marked right. me as a decision for the run and he, um, uh, like I learned a lot. Like I'm, right. I learned a lot, a lot. Uh-huh. You know, it was really intense run, but I, I just learned like crazy. Got my distinction. Three months later in the news, he's going to prison because he's not a real psychiatrist. No. <laughs> Jaden. <laughs> Yeah, so you can't see uh, that the producer so, in sorry, the background is just like <laughs> plot twist. <laughs> so he's so now like the thing is that um, he had the same name as the person that they were meant to be hiring. Get out! Uh, now he was a doctor. He was a doctor. Okay. He was what we think as he was a, a trainee in a psychiatric program, but wasn't a, wasn't a consultant. Right. So he did have psychiatric knowledge, and and honestly, his level of psychiatric knowledge was just too high for it to not be someone with a lot of psychiatric experience or a doctor at least. Okay. So it wasn't like a just random person. Yeah. But he, just, he, yeah. he wasn't a psychiatrist. Right. He wasn't a qualified specialist. SMO, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a senior yeah. medical officer. He yeah. wasn't. And that's a problem because, and that explains why his clinical skills were just not really up to scratch. You know, not mm. even as good as the registrars, not even as good as mine as a fifth mm. year student, mm. right? And so um, the way it worked is one of the nurses was suspicious and actually launched an investigation and just... Uh, looked into it, and it turns out that it was the wrong person. He had actually um, f- um, created fraudulent documents oh. to support his qualification to get the job, um, and he was sort of like supporting his his wife and daughter or something in the states or something with that income. So it's kind of mm-hmm. sad, but like I mean, at the end of the day, it was, it was very unsafe, especially it's on the crisis team with urgent response. Yeah, you know, where yeah, we're yeah. seeing, like, and I think about some of the patients that we were seeing. Or, yeah. Sorry, not patients, pe- you know, people in the community that we were seeing. Yeah, um, and they. You know, I just think, well, like, you know, they really should have had, they really deserve to have had a real psychiatrist at that instance, not just this quirky dude. Mm -hmm. And so he ended up going to prison. Um, And I think he's currently serving his time. Wow. Uh, Yeah. uh, And in uh, in New Zealand, I think. Uh, And he's just, so that's the way that it played out. And now the thing is that the story really continues because I, I hear this, right, in the news. I see it on the news. And the university emails me saying, okay, your distinction has been downgraded to a pass. No! To a what? A pass. And so- You went through hell. I went through hell and like my clinical <laughs> knowledge was legitimately good because yeah. I was learning I and I was getting a lot of experience and like, I wasn't yeah. learning off the clinical stuff I was learning off of him. He was just telling me study a lot and I was studying it off reputable sources. Right. Uh, so, so they put my um, decision down to a pass. Now this was really important for me uh-huh. because, now I wouldn't normally care, right. because when I was in fourth year, my first ever run of the year, I failed that run, which was oh. general medicine because okay. I had learned everything theoretically and yeah. I just could not apply the information in clinical practice. And so my boss at the time gave me all the various concerns and he was like, I'm actually going to pass you, but I think there's concerns you need to work on. It turns out the way he scored me based on the algorithm actually fails me. <laughs> so I ended up failing that run. <laughs> right. And so to recover from that in fourth year, I ended up getting distinction for three, three more runs after that yep. to sort of prove that, you know, it was just this hiccup yep. that like I am able to adapt. Yeah. And so I ended up adapting to it through the rest of fourth year. But as a result, I, I didn't end up, you know, doing that, badly for that rest of the year. I did quite well. Right. However, I got tagged. And what that yeah, means is yeah. that you get a close eye look look at you. Yeah. And at the end of your fifth year, you have to sit another big OSCE. Right. Oh. So so for, if you don't if know you what- fail o- anything between fourth and fifth year. If you, yeah, you have to, you either fail the year or you sit another OSCE. So at the end of fourth year, at, US, at least in Auckland, there yeah. is a big 
OSCE. And an OSCE right. is a... Um, you, what does it stand for? Is a... Uh, something... I don't know what O and S stand for. Uh, clinical examinations. Yeah, it's clinical examination. It's basically your... Student... You get tested on your clinical skills. Okay. And it's a, it's not a written thing. It's you have either real patients or actors mm. that you're doing examinations and you present your findings and you talk about the management. So it's a very you know clinical-based thing. So and then the fourth year is this big one. And I'd passed that and that was fine. So I was you know moving on to fourth year. And, and, and Otago, it's at the end of fifth year. It's a big one. It's a huge exam. Right. So um, normally at the end of fifth year, as long as you do well and pass all your runs and you do your progress tests well, which is diff- these written examinations that you do, you will pass the year. Right. For me as a tag student, I would have to sit another OSCE at the end of fifth year, which is meant to be even harder. Right. And that was stressing me out. I was like, I do not want to. And I read the thing and it says that if you get distinction for three or more major clinical attachments throughout the year, you will be exempt from that OSCE. Oh. Now, a lot of people didn't know that. Right. In fact, I only discovered it by accident because my friend happened to read it in the guide and sent it to me. Yeah. And I just had missed that line because it's yeah. just a single sentence. Yeah. And um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to get these three distinctions. So I got this decision in psychiatry. Now, the time I heard that my thing was getting downgraded to a pass, I'd gotten two other distinctions. Okay. So I was in the clear. Yeah. The only runs I had left were, I can't remember exactly what the runs were, but I was thinking it's much riskier for me now mm. to be able to get it. I would have to get the distinction for my final run or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it was re- I was getting really nervous. Yeah. So I was like, I need that distinction. Right. I need that distinction. And yeah. I called the uni and I was super like pissed off at them. Yeah. I was like, you need to give me my distinction back. Yeah. And so they organized another um, a repeat assessment for me to do. Okay. That for, would test. From psych? Yeah, in psych. In psych. So now here's the thing though. Is there a psych is, test? Uh, uh, there's an assessment at, that you do at the end of every attachment. Okay. And they had to, they got me to redo that attachment, that, right. that um, assessment. Yeah. Um, the thing is, by the time I'm redoing my assessment, it's like almost six months later. Yeah. I haven't studied psych in six months. Yeah. I've been studying everything else in between that. Yeah. So I'm panicking because like, you know, you don't study something for six months. Yeah, the knowledge is still kind of there, but it's not as sharp, you know? Yeah. And the clinical skills are just not as, you know, quick and automatic yeah. as it's meant to be, especially yeah. not when I was at the peak at the yeah. end of the run. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sort of stressing out about this and I'm thinking, okay, I really need to... Um, you know, like buckle down and do the, uh, you know, assessment and get the distinction again. And I'm like, okay, when is it? And they tell me it's tomorrow. Right. And I'm like, you're telling me at 7 p.m. that at 10 a.m. tomorrow, I've got my repeat assessment for psych six months out of studying for it. You're giving me like one evening to prepare for it. So I prepared for it. I did my repeat assessment the next day. I got my distinction again. And he uh, even wrote me a really long reference saying that my clinical ability was way higher than he thank was. Thank God. So happy ending, but crazy story. Yeah. Yep. Oh my God. And so that that was that year. And then psych continues to be an interesting experience <laughs> for me. The next year. Oh gosh. Uh, so actually I do, uh, the next year I do my honors research. So oh, yeah. I take the year off. The year after I'm a final year medical student. I'm doing my psych attachment again because you do another psych attachment in your final year. And I was doing a really good team. My consultant was great. My register was great. Everything was great. It was awesome. I was in um, uh, the Pacific uh, oh, yeah. Mental Health Unit, which cool. is, is so cool. Like you sing songs at the beginning of the day. Like wow. it was yeah. very wholesome. Yeah. Um, they were good. It was great. Awesome attachment. At that time, I'm tutoring. So you know, at this time, I've already got my company, right? Yeah, JGT, yeah. At that time, one of my students is like quite depressed. 
and is relying on me like during that time. And it's stressed out, it stressed me out. Yeah. And she's relying on me more and more and more. And there's, you know, I had to call the police on her one time because I thought she was going to jump out the window mm. um, and, and like commit suicide, right? So I was really worried. And I, I would, you know, it, would, it was to the point where I was spending something like 10 plus hours a week on the phone with her talking mm. just to like pretty much do counseling effectively mm. uh, because she just didn't want to talk to anyone else about it. And I was like, you need to really be talking. And she had a lot of issues. Like her family was really stigmatizing it and issues like that. And I was like, you need to get more people to support you. But she was completely unwilling. I was like, you need to talk to your GP. She was completely unwilling. I was like, okay, look, you, all this pressure was put onto me. I was working in psych at the time. So I talked to my consultant. I was like, look, this is what's going on. What do I do? You need to give me advice. It's like, stressing me out like crazy. And um, she was like, okay, you need to do this and this and this, you know, remove myself a little bit, take the pressure off of me. It shouldn't be centralized. I need to get other people involved, need to whatever. And like, if issues happen, you need to call the crisis team and things like that. So I was like, okay. So there was a point where I had to call the police again the second right. time. And I was like, okay, you need to get seen by mm. someone. Mm. You need to be formally seen by mental health services. And... Um, you know, at this whole time, I'm thinking, man, this girl's like depression is just so extreme. You know, like she's, she's, you know, extreme, like she's almost like catatonic, something. She's just like not moving. She just doesn't, like, she just sleeps all day or like just doesn't eat all day, like just sits there for like hours, not speaking, not talking, not like nothing. And like very depressed or like just crying and in tears all the time. And like very like dependent on me. Mm. And um, later, you know, when I call the police again, they escort her to the emergency department. I think it's like 1 a.m. I go to the emergency department to be her like one and only support person. Um, it just so happens it's my friend's sister mm. who's um, the psychiatric registrar on for the oh, night. Wow. She comes in, examines her, and then she comes out and she's like, you know, I don't think it's depression. I think it's borderline personality disorder. And I'm just like, at that moment, it's just, clicks now people that aren't listening if they don't know if you don't know what borderline personality disorders borderline personality disorder personality disorders are different to something like depression depression is uh a a, a state of you know you fulfill certain criteria but it's effectively you know, you're, you're sad but you're sad for an extended period of time and your brain actually starts to rewire to s almost forget how to be happy mm. um and it's it's quite a complicated sort of thing psychologically speaking certainly you know, the myth of you can just kind of choose to be happy is, is, is so wrong in so many ways that it's None to be in a pinnacle of ignorance. Mm. Um, but uh, there there's a very clear distinction between that and personality disorder. Personality disorder is something that usually forms from childhood. It takes a long time. There's usually a, a, a trigger of something of some kind in their parenting or upbringing that has made them maladaptive to deal with certain types of stress. So borderline personality disorder is... Um, type of personality disorder typically associated with females. In actual fact, there's an equal lifetime prevalence in males and females, but there's a myth that's actually um, mostly in females. Um, but actually, uh, it's an incredibly difficult personality disorder to deal with because the way that they deal with insecurity and stress and a lack of attention and love is to manipulate the people around them, to seek that attention and, and, and love that they were potentially missing in, in childhood. Uh, a lot of males that have a kind of what's conventionally typically a male equivalent of borderline personality disorder is antisocial personality disorder. And that's what we normally call a psychopath. 
Wow. Right? Which is a manipulative, they don't have oh. value of human emotion as much. They're very highly, highly, highly manipulative. Yeah. Um, emotionally very volatile and, and fluctuant. And it's right. the same with borderline is that they are very emotionally fluctuant. They're very black and white. They do this thing called splitting where it's like, yeah, yeah, you're the best person, best person. You do one thing wrong. It's like, you're the worst. Um, Not only you, your whole family, everyone that's like you is the worst. Right. They have a good experience with a doctor. Doctors are great. This doctor's awesome. They don't give them just enough medication. They want a one week, but they only get five days. Doctors are the worst. Doctors are useless. Yeah. Like they have this very black and white right. splitting. I'm kind learning of so much right now of you. Yeah, so it's a very different situation. Because okay. the thing is with borderline personality disorder, if you give them what they want, it makes it worse. Right. So you shouldn't be admitting them into hospital unless it's just imminently for the threat of their life. If they're right. in, they have to get out straight away. Yeah. Hospitalization makes it worse. Right. So in this situation, I'm like, oh my God, like this, I. This is at a point where I already know a lot about psychiatry. Yeah. You know, and borderline, like the number of borderline patients and depression patients I've seen are so many at that stage. Yet this person that was intimately involved, like outside of work, yeah. that I'd seen develop over the course of months, yeah. I just didn't catch it that it was borderline instead of wow. depression. Depression. And so I ended up having this crazy, again, ex- super stressful experience where I was trading on eggshells the entire time with this. Um, person with borderline personality disorder. And the story continues the year <laughs> after. No. So now then I graduate and then I, so, you know, when you graduate, you can assign, you can have these preferences for where you want to be working mm. and you select like 11 preferences. Right. I've heard this. Yeah. And I was like, okay, look, I don't really want to do psychiatry. <laughs> you probably had a good experience. Yeah, with uh, I feel like because I don't want to do psychiatry as a career. So for me, as a house officer, to gain experience in psychiatry is kind of meaningless because I've just already had such an intensive, extensive experience with psychiatry, and especially because of my re- like fifth year that reassessment that I had to do, it just really consolidated psychiatry incredibly strongly. Um, so I didn't feel like it was going to be beneficial for my 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 career development to be better at psychiatry. I think. Every doctor needs to be good at psychiatry yeah. to a level of basic competency. I th- it's critical, <sighs> I think. It's one of the most important specialties to have good competency in. But I already had that level of competency. Uh, I wasn't really worried about that. Uh, and I didn't want to do, I didn't want to start on a surgical run because I thought it was going to be too intense to start on a surgical run. Yeah. And I didn't want to uh, do geriatrics as well, old people's health, just mm-hmm. because I thought the pace wasn't really up to like my personality. I don't have anything against old people's health or geriatrics. It just wasn't my personality type. I wanted to do more surgical runs and I wanted to have uh, general medicine because general medicine is the run that I failed initially in fourth year, got distinction in in my final year. And I wanted to have more general medical experience because it's one of the critical runs of a a first year doctor getting general medical experience. Right. So I laid out my preferences in that way. And then in like 10th and 11th preference, you just, you can't even, you don't have preference. It's just you're doing whatever. Yeah, filling the list. For yeah. the sake of filling the list, yeah. And um, so all I did is that, like at that stage, I had 10 preferences for, you know, things that were not starting surgical, no psychiatry, not geriatrics, and having a general medicine run in there. Hmm. And then I got my 11th preference assigned to me, which was starting with surgery, back-to-back psychiatry and geriatrics. <laughs> And no general medicine. <laughs> I got literally the four things that I was, the only Avoiding. criteria to avoid, I got all four of them. And so my run started off that way. And anyway, so oh. psychiatry was one of my runs. As a house officer. As a first year house officer. 
And the team I was assigned to, and I'm just going to not go into specifics here, but the team I was assigned to was notorious for being difficult. Mm. Being a difficult team because the way that the team was structured and worked and the particular sort of, I guess, in a way, um, management style that the consultant had is one that is very safe. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being safe, but it means that it's a lot of work because if you're too safe, you do things that are potentially unnecessary. And it, all that work, it's not like they're the ones that are ordering the forms. Mm-hmm. It's on you. So it, it increases your workload by yeah. a lot. So I was probably doing realistically like almost the amount of work that the other three house offices or the three other teams were doing combined. So it was, um, you know, not not yeah. quite, but like right. almost. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of, lot of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, I ended up getting this psychiatric experience as a doctor when I was first working there right. of one of incredible tedium and boredom of where like, I just felt that the whole thing was like, I really don't think that this is good yeah. practice. Yeah. And uh, like every ounce of it, like, cause before that I had these weird experiences with psychiatry, but academically speaking, I actually still enjoyed the subject and it's still speaking. I actually enjoy it. Mm. And then that run just stripped all professional interest of psychiatry out of my system completely. Right, right. Uh, and it ended up being like a way to round it off is that, okay, like I was really, int- in fact, one of the, I was really interested in psychiatry going into medicine. It was one of the right. fields that I was most interested in. Oh, okay. And in fifth year, I was like, wow, this is crazy, but like I, I'm still really interested. In my f- final year of medical school, I was like, this is also pretty crazy, but I probably don't want to do this because mm. it's just not the type of work that I enjoy. Mm-hmm versus your house officer, it's just like, there's no possible damn way I'm going to do this job. If I have to do this job for even a week longer, I want to. Qu- I wanted to quit because of that uh, one run. It was just mind-numbingly, like yeah. my mental health deteriorated that run because of the work that I was doing in mental health. Uh, and, and, and then so that's, I mean, the conclusion to my saga in, in, psychiatry. <laughs> in psychiatry. And now running a company, I'm really interested in running mental health initiatives. But someone else gonna someone else, yeah, gonna someone run else them. <laughs> get some other expert to do it, right? Yeah, and wow. so yeah, that was that's the story of me and my psychiatrist. So all my friends know that I've got this really interesting love hate kind of yeah, relationship right. with psychiatrist. Uh, yeah, less love actually, but right. Um, this weird kind of experience I've had with psychiatry. Now, just to make it like really clear, like I don't have a th- I don't have anything against psychiatry. Mm. I just think my personal experience yeah, with it was very. I was very, very unlucky. Yeah. I think I was just very unlucky, uh, but you know, it is what it is. And right. I was fortunate enough to have some great experience with like in psychiatry with other consultants in different uh, situations Yeah, that were great. And I just thought, wow, these are like really good doctors. Right. right. That were totally different experience to my other experiences, so nice. but yeah. yeah, but that wasn't my experience yeah. Yeah. at the end of the day. So yeah. Do you think that, I mean, this is another big question. I'm not sure we can leave it for another time or not. But do you think that whole experience, even just starting out as a house officer, influenced you later on, or had it had a role in you leaving? The health I think it did. Healthcare? Yeah, I think I think it did. The other thing is, mental health is like super underfunded. Oh yeah, really underfunded. Okay. Um, like ridiculously. So, given how big of an issue it is with youth suicide and youth mental health in New Zealand, like the level of underfunding is just ridiculous. I know that like seeking mental health um, services by the public scheme is a lot more tedious or it just takes a lot longer. The wait list is ridiculous or something. Yeah. Like I six months or something. Or like a psychologist. For a psychologist. psychologist right. Yeah, which is a huge shortage. Uh, right. There's 
like a 200 to 1 ratio of patients and psychologists. Yeah. Like it's, it's a massive waiting list. Um, and How? Super broken. I, I mean, a big, there, there's a whole other issue, and I don't want to go into speculating it because I don't know the, f- the full details. I have certain theories about why it is the way that it is, but yeah, um, you know, we'll talk about it another, another time. time. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, another time, like a lot of these <laughs> things. Um, but I think it probably did contribute to me wanting to leave to some degree. Mm. Definitely not all the way because I just thought because the run I had after that um, geriatrics older people's health, which I was dreading, right. I, I ended up really enjoying. I right. really loved it. It was one of my favorite runs actually. Not only the team, but like the other house officers I was working with, the whole environment, the work that I was doing. Right. It was, and I actually had a lot more time to sit and talk with patients. And I yeah. actually ended up really enjoying that because I kind of forgotten at that stage. I was so jaded yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, you appreciate the things that you previously didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff yeah. that I was like kind of got like sick of. I yeah. started really kind of, pre- so I actually really enjoyed that run. Um, Jerry, as you said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the thing that really got me was uh, the health system related stuff, which I just, yeah. yeah. And the personality related things. I'll talk yeah. about that again. <laughs> in another, another time. <laughs> yeah, in another video. Yeah. Uh however, um yeah, it was not a it was not the sort of ideal yeah. kind of experience. And yeah. I think every student has this kind of horror story that they've got. At some point yeah. in their clinical career, they'll have that one run or something where they just really clashed. And it doesn't reflect the career, but it's just an unlucky experience sometimes. Yeah. I, it just makes for a fun story. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. It makes for a fun story. Yeah. Yeah, well, I hope it did because <laughs> that was a roller coaster. Yeah, that was oh a roller coaster, gosh. and that was a roller coaster reaching us to the end. Right. So, uh, thanks f- if you have been for listening. Um, if you want to uh, watch us on video, we've got the stuff on YouTube, Facebook. Follow us on their subcut. Um, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Wow, you've got. I can't I'm saying that. You've got. Uh, <laughs> um, we're, you know, we're really open to getting feedback about what we are doing well, what we're doing wrong, what topics to cover, what topics not to cover, um, and all these different, you know, lots of different ideas on what to, you guys as listeners can be contributing. And we want to have a lot more stuff going on, interviews, guests, mm. bunch of cool stuff. Send and your ideas through. Yeah, yeah, send your ideas. Well, you know, all of your ideas will be super, super appreciated and it's going to help us do a, a better job at entertaining you yeah. So um, yeah, thanks for thanks for listening. And we'll <laughs> tune in next time. Wrapped up. Oh yeah. gosh. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to Subcut. If you guys have any suggestions for content, please make sure you send it through. You can get in touch and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or find us on our website at jttmed.com/subcut. Subcut is a podcast brought to you by JTT. If you or anyone you know is interested in a career in medicine, make sure to get in touch and check us out at jttmed.com.